Welcome to the Supply Chain Pioneers Podcast, where we highlight industry leaders on the forefront of innovation and technology in planning, procurement, and logistics. Hosted by your supply chain pro to know, Ulf Venn. Welcome to Supply Chain Pioneers, Episode 1. And what better way to start a podcast than with my good friend, Koray Köse. He recently joined Everstream and directly went back to his roots at, at the Gartner Conference in Barcelona. It was a very good time to meet him and discuss with him. And we did so on a rooftop at the Hilton Hotel. You will see the imagery is beautiful. And if you have the opportunity, watch a video. His experience is just great. He knows a lot about supply chain risk management. He helped a lot of um, companies mature their approach. In addition, his operational experience from VW and Bose really helps him move the needle day by day. We will talk about all of that, but also about his intercultural background. And overall, I feel it's a very insightful discussion at the right point in time where he really changes a job and has new perspectives and new experiences. Um, so yeah, have a lot of fun and enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Supply Chain Pioneers podcast. Today I'm with Koi Kurze from Everstream. Thank you for having me, Olf. Of course, it's a pleasure. So as you can see, we're live together and we're at Gartner Conference in Barcelona. Beautiful weather and beautiful background. And before we jump into Koi's uh, journey into supply chain, risk, uh, supply chain management and supply chain risk management, we actually want to talk a little bit about the Gartner Conference. So what, what are your key takeaways? I can say it was a solid conference. Um, the themes of the last years continue, continued and um, there was one specific uh, observation I had and I'm not sure if you would agree, Ulf, but I felt technology is ahead of the process because in the technology topics we could already see the artificial intelligence disruption, I would almost say, and in the process it was vertically going deeper. Mm -hmm. um, but while going deeper, I didn't feel there was a lot of leftover inspiration. It was, yep, understood, makes sense. We are not there yet. We need to implement it. Whereas in AI, I felt like there was still a gap of knowledge, what it could do. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of prejudice still on the floor, on the expo, when we had this many discussions. What about our data, data security, who gets access? How do we use it? Where do we use it? Where is it maintained? And is it really as powerful and accurate as you may think about it? But uh, so it was a lot of inspirational conversations where after the first 10 minutes, a lot of people stayed around another 20 minutes and they walked away and said, wow, that was really a great conversation. Like I have so many ideas right now when I go back home, I really check and follow up on that. Yeah. What yeah, was so, your take? So for me, uh, first of all, I think um, the, it's a really a continuation. I felt a lot of the topics, risk and resilience being still very prevalent. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Also, workforce shortages and workforce constraints and pressure was a big topic. I really like that because I feel a lot of the people in supply chain did suffer a lot in COVID. And yeah, um, it's good that this is addressed. I do also feel that right now technology can do a lot and we will have to adapt it more from a process perspective. 
and find ways to do proper change management. I personally feel that um, the center of excellences that everybody's building are still a lot underused because you find a lot of these solution providers providing yeah. great technology that needs to be adopted, not only by a small amount of people, but needs to be really integrated into the processes. And the vehicle for change should be somewhere in a, in a global function that could be a center of excellence. So for me, that's one of the key takeaways that that is something that more and more people have to adopt. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think overall it was a very interesting, very, was, very interesting conversation. Right. There was maybe one thing I, I would also say is there is a threat to this transformation um, movement that we mm -hmm. were able to observe in the last couple of years. And that's, of course, the economic uh, pressure and yeah. headwinds and recession angst almost. Um, and talking to some of the CSCOs, CPOs out there, looking into their priorities, cost pressures and cost management mm -hmm. is again back on, back on the rise. And I think that is a little bit like back to the future. I hope we do not forget in this that the true transformation will also improve cost, yet the focus mm. should be on transformation, not cost, yep. and changing cost into investment. Yeah. So investing into the right processes is important, then following up with the right technology is important, and then do it time and again until you basically have your entire organization digitized and do not fear digitization and data sharing and collaboration with your suppliers. So when you turn collaboration now back again in the way we had like these blurbs of costs coming back up, then it will be again, can you make it cheaper just a little bit? I mean, this old school negotiation tactics seem to have a little window of renaissance. And I, I find that in, 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 in this context, how do I say it nicely? Um, unfortunate, maybe is the okay. right, yeah. or uninspirational. Mm -hmm. So, if you are a leader out there, I would I would urge you to keep the learnings really from the last year top of mind and making sure you continue on the journey of of true revolutionizing supply okay. chain. And and that was what I was saying. Like with the process, was less inspirational than what the technology environment was talking yeah. about. Yeah, I feel, okay, uh, I, I agree, but also I kind of a little bit disagree maybe, and that's interesting, Yeah, because I would say in a, in a climate that we have right now, um, uh, frankly, sales managers also have to do a better job in elaborating what is the value of my product, how can I build value, and if I do that and can show that it's really powerful what I do and it will, it's really impactful, then I think you will still find um people investing and not bargain for every tits and tatter yeah but so I, for me going from the other direction not from the cpo direction for me it's more the sales manager have to clean up their value stories make sure that they're actionable that they're yeah. having use cases with clear value stories and then um everything should be fine obviously yeah you have to be convincing it as well so there's a lot you have to do as a sales manager yeah but uh, in the end, that's that's your job, right? <laughs> but quite honestly, when you hear out of five conversations, three talk about working capital management yeah. improvement yeah. Um, and not about how can I digitize and become faster, more adaptable. Uh, I want to throw in the word agile here. I know we yeah. talked a little bit about that to 
to create dynamic and structural resilience. And you only hear that twice out of five conversations as a priority that shows the, the trend maybe becoming morphing into something that we have already seen in the past. And I always like to say you invest when the market is in fear and the market still is in fear. So it's time to invest from my perspective and not so much to squeeze into the supply chain pressures that come really from yeah macroeconomic factors that are a little bit out of your control anyways. Mm -hmm. And you may actually create a chain reaction into your supply chain that creates more fragility and CPOs and CSEOs need to look further than the next quarter, yep. further than the next year, right? So that that's a little bit the the reprioritization challenge yeah. that they have, I guess. Yeah, but uh, I mean, that's where the, a crawl walk one approach where in crawl, you already can deliver a lot of value yeah. with an IT solution can really help right in a situation like that. And I. I feel good solutions and good solution providers can do that. So I'm I'm still hopeful for the future of digitalization personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, let's see. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be. No, I'm. I would be very unhappy to be wrong because not digitalizing your sub, uh, your mm. supply chain is, is not a good idea. It's not an option. Yeah, I'm actually more. I'm more scared about the. the I'm more scared about the. Uh, the passion I saw on LinkedIn about this uh, photo, w which went around where, where the guy hold up a sign and said, don't manage your supply chain in Excel. And you saw so many people commenting on it and so many people liking it. And I was a little bit more afraid about that because I saw, are we still using Excel in supply chain? That shouldn't be the case, right? Well, How will you make data and analytics work if you have an Excel supply chain? But I think there are a lot of companies still having yeah. very important data in Excel. So, yeah. um, I would not shame them. I think Excel is a great tool. It creates yeah, a lot of agility for quick analysis, the depth of it. And then of course, how long that data becomes manageable and maintainable is, 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 is the question out there. And there are solutions that are nimble. Uh, there were a lot of vendors at the expo, yeah. uh, me just being a week in changing the seats sort of, uh, still had the mindset to walk around learn talk to to other companies and i could see especially when it comes to ai that there are a few companies that have really immersed into that mm -hmm. and they're really moving forward with that and um this is just the beginning i mean yes chat gpt isn't even six months old for many many users that's in that correct. sense so yeah. uh really exciting uh i think to just continue on that path perfect Okay, so now we talked, I think, enough about Gartner. Let's talk a little bit about you. Okay, so <laughs> because there's it's, never enough about Gartner. Gartner <laughs> is an endless topic we can talk we, I think we will come back to Gartner. Okay, in a little let's bit. do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's supply chain pioneers, right? So it's all about right. why, uh, why supply chain, why you and uh, your journey. So yeah. maybe let's start a little bit with how did you start in supply chain management? So I, it's it's old school a little bit so don't expect a lot of inspiration from that all right um it was literally just starting um to get interesting when at my university there was a collaboration with volkswagen mm -hmm. and they basically looked at some of the profiles and said would you not like to join us yeah and i 
thought, okay, that sounds like a great company. I mean, if you grow up in Germany, um, Volkswagen is definitely the top brand you can you can yeah. think about. And uh, in the concatenation with Scania and Volkswagen, that was that was actually a great experience. Um, started uh, really in, yeah, first was supporting the Bentley integration, okay. and uh, I was just. Uh, eye-opening how like a huge machine can work how the processes are how you engage with recom recommended vendors or at the same point in time how you engage with new vendors that are potential uh, competitors to give you a, a better portfolio right yeah. so early on really getting into the nitty-gritty negotiations and that one led to the other. So then there was an opportunity to uh, look into international operations. So mm -hmm. spent some time in Mexico and um, then it just continued that way and never really left supply chain too much. Went for a postgrad in the US and into a consultancy that was ERP, also operations. A lot of that so <laughs> every time you go two steps outside of like the core sourcing and supply mm -hmm. chain environment yeah. the gravity pulls you back in because i highly believe in supply chain being an orchestration of value and if yeah. you can be the director of that orchestration i think you can really influence a lot of the success but you also of course are blamed for a lot of the failure even if you weren't really responsible for that but uh I rather take that than just being an observer rather than a participant. Would you also describe that's part of your nature in general that you that you're one who really likes to take action and is all, tries to be in the middle of things? I think supply chain people have to be in that way, yeah. right? Because a lot of the times you don't even have the budget that you're deciding about necessarily. So if you don't go out and align, you know, interests and make sure it's the best for the company, it's the best for the innovation. And uh, if you're like just sitting there and crunching numbers, not talking to anyone and waiting for orders, then you're, you're not really in supply chain, in my mm. opinion. So you feel that in supply chain management, in addition to a lot of operational knowledge, you also have to have a high amount of social skills. Is that what you're saying? Social, yes. Not overly social. You know, you don't want to get into, into too many details with suppliers about mm -hmm. your private life. Uh, but I think political is maybe the correct yeah. word. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, but you should be social, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I think you always need to get your priorities set and and that framework is really important for your operations excellence too uh, you can see that in an environment of uh, startups entrepreneurs growing a business right first you don't have a lot of the framework set a lot of this is social right mm -hmm. and once you grow it becomes more political and the political is complemented by a framework and rules and policies that should actually not hold you back but enable you and unfortunately yeah. you know policies framework that is holding you back can actually make or break your company or yeah. actually in that case would break your company yeah no i agree but uh, but it's it comes down to social intelligence at one point right? yes. still right because yes. it's politics yes. It's, yes politics is still has to do with your social and politics. i mean if you look at the numbers yeah, in supply chain there are really no rocket science right yeah i would say 
yeah but it's um i think the complexity is still quite high right so you i personally feel you have to have a very broad overarching view of a bigger picture yeah even if you look at the nitty-gritty part of the process you still yeah. need to understand how it feeds into everything else that happens before and after in your process flow. you have to love complexity yeah and you you want to create something I, I, I coined in my research, a sophisticated simplicity. Oh, that's a good terminology. I love yeah. that. Because simplification, taking out complexity, is not a good move in the mid and long run because mm -hmm. it becomes a commodity then. And the commodity yeah. becomes a Me Too product. And then you're basically just fighting on cost, not innovation. If you keep complexity in concatenation with value, I think then the complexity is good. If complexity means total inefficiencies, yes, get rid of it. Because I wouldn't call it sophisticated simplicity, then I would just call it burden, yeah. waste, right? So you, you should absolutely reduce burden and waste. Good. So now we talked a little bit about your research uh, uh, as already. I had to snuck it in. Yeah, you had to. Yeah, so, <laughs> I had to. So I had to snuck it. jump into it, <laughs> Thank I guess, you very right? much. Appreciate so, that. Let's go into Gartner. It's still out there, though. Yeah, yeah no, it's there. It's you, true. Uh, we can talk about this a little bit more. So start, yeah. let's start with Gartner. Yeah. You joined Gartner. How did that happen? Um, it was a coincidence because about about almost 10 years before I joined Gartner, I met, uh, I met a very nice recruiter um, and his name was Tom. Mm -hmm. And whoever knows me knows Tom. And we were looking at some opportunities back then, just thinking out loud. And it didn't really work out, but we, 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 had, we left a good impression on each other. Yeah. And then years pass, right? And he's UK based. And um, at some point I was at the Federal Reserve and I was very content. Okay. Um, I was excited when I started in the Federal Reserve because it was really transforming a, a, a process that was, mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to be like negative, but it was not what I would have expected from the digitization standpoint and the efficiency standpoint. Mm -hmm. And when we went through the transformation there and the implementation of digital tools and at the end actually also like an SAP Ariba selection going through all of that and and really kind of revamping the entire environment I was content but I was not necessarily super excited mm -hmm. so yeah. uh, not that I was looking but at one point I got an email like you know you were referred to Gartner by Tom and I thought it's spam because I haven't heard from Tom for years. And then an email came like, yeah, you weren't selected. I'm like, okay, I never applied, never selected, it's fine. And then a third email came like, you were referred again by Tom. And then I thought maybe Tom's email got hacked. So I reached out to Tom and said, hey, Tom, good to hear from you, but I believe your email got hacked. And he was like, what do you mean? Uh, I, I said, I got this thing from Gartner saying like I was referred. I, I, I mean, what is this? He's like, no, no, I actually did. There's this open position, you know, supply chain, sourcing, procurement, looking to risk and technology. And I remembered you and I think you're the perfect fit. And I'm like, okay, um, what do I have to do? Nothing. They'll reach out to you if you're okay with that. I'm like, yeah. And then this rigorous and it's, it's out there as knowledge, right? The, the recruitment process at Gartner is long, tough. Mm -hmm. 
time consuming. I doubt it at points why I'm even doing that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm content. Why, why should I create now yeah. a note for what? Right. And, uh, it was like, you know, multiple rounds of interviews when, once that was okay, they said, can you write about this topic? Uh, pick one out of the three and risk and uh, risk was the topic I, I selected. So I wrote a note over that uh, paper and then they say, oh yeah, we like the paper. Can you put it into a presentation? I, okay. Yeah. Put it in the presentation. Yeah. Can you come for a panel interview? Fine. Mm -hmm. Panel interview. So you go there, it's a couple hours and uh, then they let you know if you're actually going to get an offer or not. And they gave me an offer and as a good, uh, good supply chain sourcing procurement you reject the first offer right that's yeah, what you have course, to do yeah. always so you negotiate a little bit and uh, yeah and then I just started and then in the onboarding they said you won't understand your job at least 18 months mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do but what was exciting is like they all said look this is probably one of the few jobs in the world that pays you to develop yourself to learn and you know get immersed and mm -hmm. and 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 basically at some point you know create a significant impact and so that journey started great and your motivation was um, to go through that journey was what why did you want to be a Gartner analyst um, <laughs> so I didn't know Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I have this thing, like when I start something, I usually have, I have to finish it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, you okay. know, maybe it's a supply chain requirement. Like if you start something, you, you don't leave something half baked yeah. or you, you don't go through an RFP and like you walk away. Like, you know, I just did that. I just thought, you know, it's not worth it. No, we usually bring it to the end somehow. And, and the more you got ingrained in that, the more conversations I had with them, the more I got like this understanding what it could be. And since I went through transformation projects, my entire supply chain life may be at Bose, where it basically changed the manufacturing company into a design and intellectual property company mm -hmm. and really building a manufacturing supply chain outside, right? Maybe at Kearney, where we went to companies that really needed help in order to revamp the processes. It was always kind of like that change um, excitement, I would call Okay. It, right? So, and in the rest, they said, I, you know, really want you to build out that space. We want, you know, to make sure that we have this covered. And it was really the prelude of, um, of the global trade wars, mm -hmm. right? And if you remember 2018, yeah. 2019. I do remember, yes. Yeah, and then um, that was, something that I was interested about intrinsically, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and that gave me the platform to do so. Great. So that's why you chose supply chain risk management was the trade wars and your interest in the political tension. The digitization, the disruption. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. The geopolitical shifts that were already starting in that time. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Interesting. So you, had, you have advised many clients over the years on what they should do, how they should do it, how yeah. they organize themselves. Yeah. But also you have given tips on solution providers. And now you have changed the field <laughs> to Everstream Analytics, yeah. right? 
So um, you know what they said at the conference. Now you're at the dark side. I said it's 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 actually lighter than than you may think. <laughs> you know, there's more light on this side than you may actually assume. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I would not call it the dark side. So how does it feel now working for solution providers? You're in like four or five days. I mean, you can't talk so much about the product, I guess. But what's your feeling being uh, with the team? I uh, first of all, I feel very welcome. Okay. Um, I cannot say it's, uh, it's not intense. It is intense. Uh, it's high pace. Yeah. Um, it's, it requires your ability to pivot on the spot. Um, and you need to have a high degree of comprehension of the matter in order to make actually a very meaningful conversation. Because people really want to have meaningful conversation. They don't want to get your marketing spiel. Right. Yeah. And I would say, I, I wrote about the supply chain risk management technology market for a little bit over four years. So uh, I saw the changes, the good and the bad changes, right? Companies come and go. And I, I actually would say, and I wouldn't disagree with you, but I would say I, I knew the product pretty well because it was a big part of yeah. the decision, was a big part of the decision. Because when you're looking at the market and you're looking at very, very motivated founders, uh, a lot of capital influx, but you don't need to, you, you must not forget that the capital mm -hmm. that comes in wants to multiply and then leave. It's not like, here you go, you know, play around, waste the money. Yeah, yeah, quite the opposite, right? Yeah. So, um, if you create that dynamic, there's also this pressure to overclaim and oversell. And that was something you had to basically digest and make sure that in the evaluations and in the, in, in, in the understanding that we built up for the Gartner clients, we had to be as unbiased and true to the fact as possible yeah. and give them even a reprioritization um feedback when when they already chose a vendor and say like look what we have seen they can do it so you shouldn't change them go back and have that conversation maybe restructure your implementation and when we were convinced that a solution does not provide that kind of capability we actually said your expectations are not accurately communicated to the technology because at some point, the technology vendor will also say, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. why we have this conversation and pain continuously, at some point you will say, we can't do this, yeah. right? Okay, interesting. So um, let's let's get a little bit to to another more meta stage, I would call it. It's oh, meta management. stage. Are yeah. we going to the metaverse? We're now? going to the, no, we're not going to the okay, metaverse, but we're going yet. into intracultural relationships. So you are a German Turkish living in America uh -huh. with a, a wife from Mexico and an American child. How did your experience with multiple languages? Well, she has multiple passports, multiple passports. But unfortunately, she started to sometimes have a Bostonian accent. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you have a lot of different uh, ties and culture yeah. and a lot of, you speak a lot of different languages. Yeah. How did that help you in your overall supply chain journey and your way of thinking? I think it made me less, um, 
it creates a, a, a more fearless character mm -hmm. because you're always involved into something that is different. And I think that is how supply chain works. Um, you have to innovate, re-innovate and continuously improve and continuously improve. And if the moment you stop, you become a nowist and then you're near death and you're out of the market. Yeah. Right. So I think that certainly. And the other thing is supply chain is very much, despite of us saying like digital, digital technology, it's still a people business. So if you're not able to create relationships and you, you, you're missing out on the creative factor and the creative factor is always the one that is the end. Creativity is the engine of innovation. Yeah. Right. And creativity in generative AI is not yet a thing in that way. Why? And others will may disagree, but I don't think that creativity requires a certain foundation to come out. Right. But in Gen AI, it always requires the data to concatenate, to create something new. And human ingenuity is not always created by data that would in concatenation create something new. Sometimes it's a totally unrelated experience, mm -hmm. right? That you say, I want to do it this way or I want to go that way. Um, and it can be also very irrational. So, okay. and uh, irrationality can become also source and catalyst of innovation because in the moment it's irrational, like holding a device and looking at it and being in your handheld device you know, 20 years ago was very irrational. They would say like, what the heck? I want to read the newspaper. I want to have this newspaper right now here, maybe flying in the wind and, you know, mm -hmm. in your face instead of like having, you know, this handheld device and scroll like this, right? Very irrational maybe for the people at that point in time. So I think when you are a person of multi multicultural exposure, and I know you were, I mean, you speak Chinese, right? So, I mean, who, I mean, there are a lot of people speaking Chinese. A lot, have, yeah, there yes, are a lot yes, of people. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, yeah. Yes, but there are very few <laughs> people, maybe they are German that speak Chinese. Oh, and now I'm in a company me. where the two people I met almost first, they are, yeah, we, I, was, I spent three years in China. I speak Chinese. Wow, right? Yeah. So um, that is something that like-minded people find like-minded people without looking for them i think so they just yes. bump into each other because you know they like to go to the same places they have similar interests and so on so i think that is how how, th how that really helps right yeah no i would totally agree um i did have a one final question for you um that came while you were talking about innovation and how it's driven yeah so yeah, I, I remember, sorry guys. So based on what you described, you don't think we're, we are going to be replaced by AI soon? No, I always, <laughs> no, I don't. It's like, hey, when I take a picture, does it take my soul kind of question, yeah, yeah, right? Of course, I yeah. think so, yeah. Is it me talking through the phone line or what is this magic in there? Like, I don't want yeah. to give my voice away. Like, you know, uh, maybe some someone in the, in the caveman state said, we don't want to have like, you know, a wheel. We would like to continue to carry stuff. What's wrong with this person? Like pushing a cart around, right? This is not good. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, it's always this repetition of innovation fear 
mm-hmm. uh, that becomes normalized and you generally see a specific generation creating that fear. And I don't want to be like age shaming here, but generally I would say generations that have been longer around on the planet are more fearful of innovation that may be technologically disruptive. Um, and maybe that's just a prejudice I have. But if you look around and say, hey, um, who is actually pushing AI? Who is using AI first? Who, 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 who is implementing use cases the first? You usually look at people who are fearless. And, 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 and that I'm is curious. Yeah. So there is uh, Rick Vera, a good friend of mine who wrote, you know, about curiosity and he calls it, a, if your company's net curiosity score is dropping, you have a true and fundamental issue. Hmm. So you need to always keep your net curiosity score up and curiosity doesn't mean reckless innovation. It means fearless innovation. Because innovation shouldn't be instinct-driven, it should be interest-driven. There's a very distinguished, mm-hmm. maybe marginal difference between instinct and interest. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally not so sure about the age. I, I feel that's more a character thing, personally. That is true. Um, that is true. But yeah, no, it's great. Maybe I'm just getting old and I'm saying like those things like <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. I think so me, like, like in five years from now, the next big you, thing, you I'll be like, you I'll, will be I'll be on the pioneers yeah. and say like, careful, don't do this. Don't touch this. This is no yeah. good. Yeah. For now, you're still a pioneer for sure. Okay. So okay. Um, maybe I am. Maybe, yeah. Let's. I would say let's call it a day. That yes, was great. Let's do. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, thank Pleasure. you all for watching. Yes. Or anything, any final words, my friend? I recommend everyone to come down to Barcelona at some point in their life. It's my first time. And it's an amazing city. Yeah. And if you come city. with people you can tolerate, you should definitely do that. <laughs> and when you're in Barcelona, I recommend the hop on, hop off, hop off bus tour because you can do a lot within two days in Barcelona and get a lot of good sightseeing. And yeah. And with that, and I great w- food and great food. Yeah. Yes. And with that, I say, have a nice day, everyone. Bye bye. So long, everyone. This was Supply Chain Pioneers. Thanks for watching, listening, or however you are enjoying this podcast. You can find Supply Chain Pioneers on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all other major podcast players, as well as on YouTube at Ulf Talk Supply Chain. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. See you next time.